Good morning. How beautiful heaven must be. We oftentimes sing that song and songs like it. We oftentimes say that being together on a day such as today gives us a little glimpse of heaven. And we're thankful that you have chosen to be here with us. When any time that we can be together, we'd love for you to be with us, especially to those of you who are visiting with us. Uh, whether you're, uh, uh, we call them sometimes part-time visitors because maybe you stop by sometimes or are passing through or looking for a church home. We're thankful that you are with us this morning. We're especially glad to see our members as always, even those who aren't always able to be with us, to have our sister Arlene with us again and even Bob as he's had his procedure this week and many others who have things going on. We're just grateful that you are here with us. A couple of other notes that uh, we've neglected to mention, but Barry Arnold uh, has the shingles as well as the sinus infection, and we want to remember Barry and didn't get his name mentioned. And I also forgot to tell Charles, uh, but I was exchanging messages yesterday with Dawn uh, Stinnett, and of course they are just still down. Uh, Miss Nina had been in the hospital or the emergency room on Friday, some I believe. They sent her home with breathing treatments and of course all kinds of medicine, so they just continue to struggle, as several others do and uh, right now with the sinus and bronchitis and pneumonia and many other things so uh, we want to continue to remember them and all the folks during this time uh, that are struggling with those kinds of things we're grateful that you are here when you can be here we say it we try to say it fairly often but certainly when you are here we want you here if you're sick by all means uh, keep it at home we want as many that can be here as that can be but don't want to infect everyone else but we are glad for the crowd that is assembled together this morning it's hard to believe um, that it is the end of another year. Even though we have not been with you all year, we, uh, on behalf of my family, we are very thankful for your kindness. We're very thankful for the way that you have welcomed us into this congregation. Um, quite often on the way home, we stop for a moment and say thank you and comment on how much uh, love the congregation here shows. And we have just been so glad to be come a part of this congregation and thankful for the way that you have welcomed us. And it's hard to believe that the year has come to a close. We look forward to next year uh, and any time that we can be together. This morning, as we're going to think for just a few moments, uh, in conjunction, as we said last week, with some a lesson that kind of goes along with some of the lessons that we had uh, on our uh, last Sunday that we were together. Uh, I appreciate the good comments about the lesson last Sunday morning. As we talked about the power of the congregation here, we talked about the logo that we have and the opportunity we have to share those kinds of things. I appreciate the good comments. I did have one that I wasn't sure about. Uh, at least one person told me that they were ready to go out Sunday and get a tattoo of our logo. I said, I don't wait a minute. I don't think that's what we were saying. You don't have to go that far. Nobody's requiring tattoos of anything, uh, but uh, I appreciate the comments and the excitement. Uh, that some showed about uh, the congregation here and the work that we can do together. Last Sunday night, if you were with us, and many weren't because of uh, traveling and sickness and things, we took a look back on the last year uh, and the things that happened here at this congregation, trying to encourage ourselves with all the good things that have happened, uh, those who have placed membership, uh, the way the congregation has grown, and not only that, the events that, that, happens, that happen here, not only here at the building and among the congregation, but how we go forth into our community and into the area. And so this morning, as we think about this lesson, uh, if you'll be back with us this evening, Harrison will be speaking to us, so this is my last one for the year, but I, I kind of wanted to tie together all that we've thought about the last few services. Many times we ask the question or make the statement to the effect of, I just don't get anything out of church, or what is in it for me? And as church, we might mean the worship service, but we might also mean the congregation. 
What, what is in it for me? What do I get out of it? What benefit is there for me of being a part of a church? And sometimes folks get fed up and they kind of get mad about things. They just say, I don't get anything out of church. God recognizes and, and has recognized that, that we have physical needs. And he provides for those things for us. We have the food and shelter and clothing and, and he provides for us in a physical sense. But he really provides for us as well in a spiritual sense. We think about the fact that God has given us his son. We're going to talk about that more in just a moment. He's given us his word and he's given us his church. You see, many people in life are looking for, for answers to things. They're looking for answers to life and they're needing help with things. But God has given us his son, his word and his church that we can find something or things that can meet our spiritual needs. So many people spend life looking. I think I've said this before, but we visited a bookstore recently for some Christmas gifts. And, and you can go in a bookstore and find vast shelves full of books. You can go on Amazon and probably spend hours looking for books of self-help. Things that will help you find a purpose in life. That will help you figure out about your life and the things that you need. But God has given us that. He's given us His Word, His Son, and His church. Even the church that meets here at Saudi. This morning we want to think about a church that meets my needs. That's what we want. And, and while that can seem a little selfish and a little wrong, I don't know that there's all wrong in that. We, we do want to find a church that meets my needs. But we need to understand that our needs need to be in line with the Word of God. And that's what we want to look at in our four simple points this morning. First of all, a church that meets my needs will exalt Christ. You see, already in the first point, we're going to notice and begin noticing that maybe my needs are a little different than what I think they are sometimes. I don't know if you have the bulletin in front of you and you're following along, but, but and sometimes we get the wrong number of blanks. Somebody mentioned that last Sunday. But I don't think you're going to find that maybe uh, a church that meets my needs will have the largest youth program. I don't know that that fits in any of those blanks. Or, or the most entertaining worship service. I, I don't know that that'll fit any of those blanks. But you see here first and foremost that a church that meets my needs will exalt Christ. Jesus Christ is the only hope for man today. Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 12 and 13 says that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus. Ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. A church that meets my needs will exalt Christ because Jesus Christ is the only hope for man today. It's easy to get down on the world around us and to watch the news and think about all the terrible things. And again, people spend lots and lots of money. And people spend lots and lots of time looking for an answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. He is the only hope for man today. We know that there is no other way to God except through His Son who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. One of those things that's kind of hard to get twisted. That's one of those things that, that's kind of hard to get messed up. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. If we're looking for a church and find a church that's going to meet our needs, it's one who will exalt Christ because He is the way, the truth, and the life. Peter said in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, as he was addressing the Sanhedrin there, he said, and, and none other is there salvation, for neither is there any name or no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No 
other way, no other name other than Christ Jesus. Not only is Christ the only hope for man today, but he gave his life that we might live. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Again, 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. Paul also said it in Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, that God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners. And that, that's the way we want to treat the world. That, that people would do things for us. I will show you love. I will give you things. But only after you help me. Paul says, no. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He is the only hope. He is the one that gave his life that we might live. Indeed, the Lord was lifted up on the cross. And the church today has the responsibility of presenting that cross to the world. The cross was the central focus of Paul's life, of Paul's mission. We, we hold Paul up in a sense, and, and rightfully so because of what he did, but, but Paul's focus was the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, he said, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That was what he wanted to share. That was the message. That was the gospel. That was the only thing worth talking about. Around the time of Christmas, around the time of New Year's, lots of football games going on. There's lots of things that we share in and we talk about. But Paul said over and over again, that is my essential focus. I don't care to know anything else. I don't want to know anything else save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If we're looking for a church... If we're looking for a church, not just necessarily a church home, but a group of people meeting together, a church that meets my needs, the needs that I should have, well, first of all, exalt Christ. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is what it's all about. We need to remember that. We're accused sometimes in the churches of Christ of, of putting uh, a works first, or, or, or you have to be at church services, or the things that we do, being obedient in that sense. We need to remember that Jesus is is our only hope that he gave his life he is what it's all about and so a church that meets my needs will exalt christ number two this morning the church that meets my needs though will preach the bible again we don't have to go too far to see it around us far too many people hear a watered down tear jerking human human interest story on sundays and sermons rather than the pure unadulterated word of god very easy sometimes to get caught up in, in sharing inspirational messages and things that make us feel good. The Bible does make us feel good. It should. It steps on our toes a little bit sometimes as well. But, but we, we like the, the, the tear-inducing, the tear-jerking kind of story, inspirational. But as well, we should like the hard stuff, the stuff we need to hear. Many people desire smooth preaching that eases the conscience rather than the kind that pricks the heart. We've talked about this in lessons before, but we see it at least twice in the book of Acts that those who heard the word of God, who heard the message of Jesus, were pricked to their heart. On one point, they asked Peter and the apostles there in Acts chapter 2, what shall we do? We're pricked to the heart. We're hurt by what you've said, but what do we do? And then again, when it came to Stephen, they were pricked in the heart or cut to the heart and they lashed out at Stephen and they attacked him and they stoned him and killed him right there on the spot. We need preaching we need to hear the Bible and preaching that will prick our heart, not just something that will kind of 
build us up and, and fluff it and make it seem like a, it's just an inspirational type of thing. That's a balance that, of course, is on me many Sundays to try to find uh, what that balance is between the, the things that encourage us and the things that kind of step on our toes. But that's not just only in here in the pulpit. It's in our classes. And it's kind of a spirit among the congregation. A church that meets my needs will preach the Bible. Paul warned in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 3 and 4, For the time will come when they will not endure the sound doctrine, but having itching ears will heap to themselves teachers after their own lusts, and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside unto fables. Uh, we see that around us a lot. I, I, I listen to other sermons sometimes, not only from those uh, preachers who would preach the truth, but every once in a while I listen to something from someone else out of curiosity or maybe uh, just listening to see. And, and yeah, a lot of times maybe there's a little glimmer of truth in there, a little hint of it among the, the things that make us feel good. It's a balance that we have to find in our life. Many people want to hear fables. They want to hear stories. It is a balance. Nothing but the gospel can save man from eternal condemnation, though. James said in James chapter 1 and verse 21 that we need to put aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And we need to receive, notice, receive with meekness. That's on the listener, receiving with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. It's only the word of God and the gospel that is able to help us. And save us from eternal condemnation. Paul said in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. We need to remember that that's where the power is. It's in the gospel. It's in the word of God. The stories that go along with it. That encourage us about someone who turned their life around. Or someone who was helped. Those things are great. But it's the story of the life of Jesus. Exalting Christ. Because that is what will save us. The Sanhedrin, again in Acts chapter 4, charged Peter and John not to speak in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to hearken unto you, rather unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Later in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, Peter and the apostles answered and said, We must obey God rather than men. You see, they were already being pushed into this idea of fables of stories, of don't say this, but say what we want you to say. Peter and John faced it. Many preachers today face it. A church that meets my needs will preach the Bible. And that goes for me. That goes for anyone else who stands in this pulpit now and as long as time lasts here upon this earth. A church that meets my needs will preach the Bible. Again, not only from the pulpit, but even in the classroom and all throughout our lives. A group of people those that we come in contact should be able to recognize. Even as we said last week, talking about the power of the Saudi congregation, they should be able to recognize in our life that we believe and follow the Bible. Maybe you've heard it said as you, as you talk with other people and they talk about what the Church of Christ believes or the Church of Christ believes that. No, it's, it's I believe that the Bible says because that's what we're after. About whatever it is, salvation, baptism, uh, the way that we worship, and many other things. It's what the Bible has to say about it. And again, notice with all of these points, it's, I'm not saying it because the elders have told me to say it. I'm not, not saying it because it, it's what I, I think that I, is the right thing. It goes back to the Bible. It goes back to Christ. And just as this is something we should be striving for here, we need to all as a congregation be examining 
the motives of this congregation and what we're doing to make sure that number one, we exalt Christ, and number two, we preach the Bible. But number three this morning as well, a church that meets my needs will provide an atmosphere of love. Will provide love. At the same time, this balance of grace and, and works or faith and works and love and works. At the same time, genuine love is keeping God's commandments. We know in John chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus said, If ye love me, keep my commandments. That's the balance that sometimes it's hard to find. That's the balance that the world wants to throw out there and say, well, you need to love and love only. Or some people say, you need to do what God says and do that only. Jesus says they're connected. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John said in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. A church that meets my needs will provide an atmosphere of love. And love is included, or part of love included in that is keeping God's commandments. We remember all the way back to the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, Solomon wrote, this is the end of the matter. This is the whole of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's what we should be striving to do. So is that fear-based? Does that mean that God isn't love? No, again, it's a connection and it's a balance between them. But genuine love is keeping God's commandments. Genuine love as well is providing for the needs of others. We've talked about that here lately, even with our day of encouragement, our downtown encouragement that we talked about. James wrote in James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? James essentially says how, pardon the language, how stupid does it sound that we would tell somebody, be warm and filled and send them on their way without doing any, anything for them. That's crazy for us to think that that would do any good to simply say it and just send them on their, their way. Now I know this congregation here. I know the works that go on and the way that we meet people's needs. But genuine love is by meeting the needs of others. Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Just like Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, instead of looking to be served, we should be looking how we can serve others. A congregation that meets my needs will show and provide love. First of all, in the sense that we keep God's commandments. But secondly, in the sense that we reach out and help with the needs of others. But I would even submit to you in a third place this morning when it comes to love. A congregation that provides true, genuine, biblical love will also practice discipline at the appropriate time. God demands the church discipline those members who deliberately and defiantly engage in sin. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? And he talks about purging out the old leaven. Even in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 6, Paul says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. And not after the tradition which they received of us. When church discipline needs to be practiced sometimes, people would say, well, you don't love them. 
You're not looking out for them. And the point that we're making here from God's Word is the exact opposite is true. If we want to provide true love, such discipline is not done out of malice or unkindness, but of the love for that person's soul. He's to be counted as a brother and not as an enemy. But at the same time, sometimes people need to understand the the sinful ways that they are participating in. True, genuine love is tough sometimes. But it involves keeping God's commandments. It involves as well providing for the needs of others. And even sometimes doing the very, very difficult thing of practicing discipline with someone. Telling them, we're not approving. We're not accepting of your behavior, your sinful ways. That's hard. But that is love. And when you find a congregation, a group of people, whether it's here at Saudi or somewhere else, that's what we should be looking for. A church that meets my needs will provide love. But then fourth and finally this morning, a church that meets my needs will fulfill the Great Commission. Will fulfill the Great Commission. That's what, of course, it's ultimately about. If you were with us last Sunday morning, that's where we drove home the lesson. The logo is great. Being a part of the congregation is great. But the most important thing is sharing and sharing the power of the gospel. That's where the power is. A church that meets my needs will fulfill the great commission. We know in Mark 16, 15 and 16 that Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, we got a, a whole lot of bulletin boards out here in the hallway. But maybe the one that has the most on it and the least attention sometimes is the one that has all of our newsletters and flyers from the works that the congregation has supported. I would encourage you and even challenge you at some point to stop and and read that. I know it's updated. I saw Bill last week trying to pin new stuff up and take old stuff off. So maybe not every single thing is the most current, but we try to get the new information up there, the things that are sent in from the works that we participate in and with, the folks that we send money to as they're going out into all the world. So I know the congregation does it in that sense, but we must be a part of a congregation, a church that fulfills the Great Commission. But it doesn't just fall on the responsibility of those that we would send money to. We wished it were that way, right? I I mean, if we could give somebody money and say, here, do it for me. And we do that sometimes with with spreading the gospel. And that's okay because there are folks who will commit and go out into places that are hard for us to get to or hard for us to pack up and move to. But at the same time, the responsibility of fulfilling the Great Commission falls upon every member of the congregation. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38, maybe Jesus said it best. He said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You see, we can't pay five or six people or couples or families to go into the world and the rest of us sit here and not do anything. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Matthew said, or Jesus said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers into his harvest there is much to do there's work on every hand for some of the same songs or other songs that we sometimes sing do we mean those words because if we're honest we have to recognize that fulfilling the great commission going in all the world starts right here sure we need people to go and we pay folks and help support them in a monetary way to go but we are all going And that's the thrust behind the great commission that Jesus gives there in Matthew chapter 28. As you are going, as you go to get your tires changed or rotated, as you go to the grocery store, as you have to go and and pick something up, as you go to work, as you are going, 
Are you fulfilling the Great Commission? The New Testament church, as we read about on the pages of the Bible, is the absolute pattern of fulfilling the Great Commission. We see in Acts 2 that they continued in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. In Acts chapter 5, every day in the temple and at home, they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus as the Christ. Even in Acts chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, even in persecution, they therefore that were scattered abroad went about preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed unto them the Christ. What could we say? I mean, what could we really say that would make it seem that different compared to what was happening in the early church? We say, well, I I feel like a a small fish. I feel like I'm outnumbered. I, I guarantee you they felt the same thing. I feel like people would make fun of me. I feel like it's kind of hard that... They would say the same thing. I I feel like most people would not be receptive. It just kind of makes me uncomfortable. You want to talk about not being receptive? Talk about being stoned to death as Stephen was when he tried to preach about Jesus and him crucified. Even in persecution, they were fulfilling the Great Commission. So what could we really possibly say? A church that meets my needs will fulfill the Great Commission both in going forth into the world and beginning right here at home. I think the congregation here at Saudi is attempting to do that. But as is always the case with everything that we say, we must continue to examine our motives and our reasons and the things that are going on and the things that we're doing. Are we fulfilling the Great Commission? Because that's part of it. We could probably go on and on. We could probably make this list very long if we wanted to. But very simply this morning, a church that meets my needs will do at least these four things here that come from the Word of God that we see happening there in the beginning of the New Testament church there in Acts chapter 2 and going forth. Do we see it around us today? Do you see it here at Saudi? Do you see it maybe in other congregations that you visit or those you visiting with us in your home congregation? A lot of times at the end of the year, we kind of try to, to get a little introspective and we kind of take an examination of ourselves. And, and even as we do that as a congregation here, where do we stand in regards to this? Because you see, this is preaching to us. This is preaching to myself. And we need to consider what we are doing. As folks come and visit with us and we try to draw those here to worship with us together, will they find a congregation, a church that is talking about Christ, that is preaching from the Bible? That is showing true love in and, and all the three ways that we even talked about this morning. And that is fulfilling the Great Commission. That's what we should be striving for. I, I've come to love this congregation in a very short time. And, and many times, I don't know that, that you need your toes stepped on because I see a lot of folks who are trying to do the right thing. And other times, I know we need to be built up and encouraged. And together, we try to find that right balance. As we conclude our lesson this morning... Are you a part of the church? Because whether you're here in Saudi or whether you move away or or whether you're anywhere in the world, a church that is trying to be like the Bible, a church that is truly meeting spiritual needs will do these things. But you can't be a part of the church unless the Lord adds you to his church. He's given us his simple plan of salvation in which we can know and understand from his word what it means to become a Christian, what it means to become saved, what it means to become obedient to him so that he can add us to his church. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, you're not a part of the church. You don't understand these wonderful things that we've even talked about this morning. We'll be singing in a moment to encourage you that you would consider very seriously that great decision. 
Having kids is an important decision. Getting married is an important decision. But the most important decision is whether you would be gospel obedient to the word of God. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to do that. We would assist you with that. We'd gladly study even more with you this day. Maybe you're here and you've done that, but you've wandered away. Maybe you are not looking for a church that is doing these things, but you're looking for a church that is trying to meet your selfish needs, that's wanting to do what you want the church to do. Maybe you're here this morning and you've just simply allowed sin to enter your life and you've wandered away from God. We'll be singing as well to encourage you that you would make a change because no one has to leave with worry or fear or anything on their mind if their life were to come to an end even this day or if the Lord were to return. Maybe you need to become a Christian. Maybe you need to come back to him. Maybe you need the prayers of this group of people, this church that meets here that is working so hard to do all of these things. It's why we assemble together to worship him and to encourage one another. Even with the words of this song, if you need to make a change, make it known as we stand together and as we sing.